Well, this morning, um, we are beginning a new series um, entitled Each One. And the heart behind this series is that every single person is valuable and precious in the sight of God. Every single one of you is important to God. He absolutely loves you, as Jeremiah says, with an everlasting love. He loves you. It doesn't matter how many times you fall. It doesn't matter how many times you fail. It doesn't matter how many times you sin. He still loves you with an everlasting love. And Jesus wants every single person to be in right relationship with him. Every single person. No matter their color, their creed, their current religion, he wants every single person to be in right relationship with him. Second Peter 3.9 tells us this. He says, The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but he wants everyone to be, repent. Everyone. Now, some people, what does that verse really mean? Some people look at that and at the world around us and they think how evil and corrupt and they think, man, why hasn't Jesus come back yet? Peter says right here, he's not being slow in his promise to return. He's being patient for our sake because he wants every single person to have a relationship with him. He doesn't want any to go to hell. He doesn't want anyone to perish, but he wants all to repent. That's what that text tells us. So if you've been paying attention to our series so far in 2022, you may have noticed a theme. Prayer, power of one, prayer of one, now each one. The emphasis is on the one. One, one person can make an impact through the gospel. One person can make an impact praying a powerful prayer. One and every single person is important to Jesus. Now, I just want to tell you kind of a quick story behind this kind of this theme for the year and even this leading up to this series. Um, you know, as many of you know, we're a, we're a part of Greater Life Church as a whole. We have a, a campus in Matthews and they launched us here in Locust uh, last April. So Pastor Andrew and I, we, we like to sit, to, we, we kind of sit down and we work through our sermons together and, and kind of we, we preach kind of the same ideas each week. Uh, he preaches at Matthews, I preach here. And so we started, at the end of last year, we started talking about our plan for 2022 and what that would look like and kind of putting together a sermon series and, and for the year. And, and, uh, and, I, and I asked him, I said, do you want to, do, uh, do you want to still preach the same series or do we want to do different ones? I mean, what, what's kind of your thought? And he said, well, what are you thinking? Like what, what's on your heart to, to share with the people of Locust? And I, and I shared with him, I said, you know, Pastor Andrew, I've got this idea about just the idea, the power of one and how Jesus cares about every individual and how it's important. And he just jumps to his feet. He says, you're kidding me. I was like, no, I said, it's what's been on my heart. And he said, you'll never believe this, but written on my board in my office says, the power of one. God had given each of us in our own private prayer times this idea of, of the power of one, about one person and how the gospel can impact one person. And so it just, it, it excited both of us. They were like, okay, well, we're, we're on the same track, so we might as well keep preaching the same messages because God was speaking to us the same thing at the same moment. And so that's our heart for, the, for this, this season and this series, and especially for this particular one. I'm very excited about it. 
Because as I mentioned earlier, I believe that Jesus wants to have a relationship with each and every person. And when I say every single person, I mean Jesus would go out of his way to find just one who needed him. The Bible has many stories of Jesus or his followers going out of their way to find just one person. And that's what we're going to do over the month of March as we walk through this series, each one, is we're going to look at some of the stories where Jesus and his followers found the one. Once, oftentimes, though, in church, we tend to get caught up or we emphasize the crowds, the crusades, the big numbers, and, and we get excited about it, and, but sometimes we can neglect the one. Jesus never neglected the one. He always made time to find that one lost person, no matter how far away they were. This morning, I want to introduce this series with two short parables that Jesus tells in the book of Luke, in which he emphasizes the immense value he places on the one. Beginning in Luke chapter 15, beginning with verse 1, if you've got your Bibles, you can follow along. If not, they'll be on the screens. You can follow along this morning. Uh, you got note sheet in your bulletin. You can take notes if you'd like. But beginning with verse 1, it says, Tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus. This made the Pharisees and teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. Oh, that we would ever be guilty of associating with sinners. <laughs> Friends, I think that's a beautiful thing. We sh- Listen, I, I, I know what it's like to be criticized for being around sinful people. As a pastor, I was criticized for going and, and having a friendship with a guy who was a, quote, notorious sinner. I said, how dare I be like Jesus? <laughs> Friends, listen, not saying we take up people's habits, not that we live their lifestyles, but we should have friends with people who need Jesus. That's how we win them, okay? And we don't adapt to their lifestyle, but we, we are there to be influencers of people who need Jesus. Verse 3 says, so Jesus told them this story. If a man had a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he lead the 99 others in the wilderness and go to search for the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. When he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors saying, Rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep. In the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. Verse 8 says, Or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Won't she, sh- won't she light a lamp and sweep the entire house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she will call her friends and neighbors and say, Rejoice with me, because I have found my lost coin. In the same way, there is joy in the presence of God's angels when even one sinner repents. Jesus cares about the one. He does. That is the primary uh, purpose in this text, in this story, and these two short stories that Jesus cares about the one. One sheep, one lost coin, Jesus cares. If you had $100 in your wallet and you lost a dollar, most of us would just go, it's a dollar. 
Jesus says, no, no, no. I'm not throwing that one away. I'm not throwing that lost sheep away. I'm not throwing this lost coin away. Jesus in the story represents the good shepherd and he cares about the one that is lost. He also represents the woman who searches for her lost coin. This morning I want to give you four principles that Jesus represents for us in these two parables. And I believe that they will help us as we work to reach the lost around us. Number one, Jesus prioritized the lost. He prioritized the lost. What do I mean by that? He said he put he had a hundred sheep, but he prioritized the one lost one over the ninety-nine that were in the fold. Now here's the problem. We live today in the 21st century, in 2022, we live in a throwaway culture. What I mean by that is because we have an abundance. We live in America, we have a most of us have an abundance. Even if we're not wealthy, we have an abundance, in, in really in comparison to the rest of the world. We tend to throw things away a lot. Something breaks, we don't fix it. We just buy a new one. We lose something, we don't look for it. We just buy a new one. Now, my grandparents, they grew up during the Depression. They didn't throw anything away. Probably a lot of stuff they should have thrown away, but they didn't. Because in their day, you, didn't throw, you could fix it. You could salvage it. You could use it. Uh, and, and so you didn't. I mean, I remember going into their home as a, as a child and opening drawers and finding bags of, of used and washed out Ziploc bags and tinfoil that had been washed and cleaned and folded back and put in that drawer. They didn't throw anything away. Because they grew up in an era where everything had value. Because they didn't have an abundance. They had very little. But we tend to live in a, in a throwaway culture because we have a great abundance. The problem with a throwaway culture is sometimes we tend to throw people away. We look at people as lost causes. We look at people and say, they're too far gone. Jesus never looked at anyone and said they're too far gone. He's absolutely never looked at a single person and said, you know what, I got, I got plenty of people who love me. That one's gone. Never. Jesus doesn't do that. Jesus never sees a lost cause. He only sees a lost sheep that hasn't been found yet. Amen? He never sees anybody as a lost cause. He only sees somebody as a lost sheep. There's a lost soul that hasn't been found yet. In today's culture, if Jesus was telling this story or this parable to a group of people, the response may be, man, don't worry about that one sheep. You still got 99. You can probably write that one off on your taxes. That's a, that's a loss. You can write that off and, and you know, it'll be all right. Jesus doesn't write anybody off. He doesn't write anything off. Jesus isn't writing anyone off no matter how far they may seem gone to us, he prioritizes the one lost over the 99 found. Now, that probably doesn't make the 99 feel great that he prioritizes the one. But the shepherd knows that the 99 are safe. He knows that they're in, that they're okay. What he doesn't know is the status of that one lost sheep. Let me help you put this in perspective of prioritization. I got three children. If one of them got lost, I'm not going to say, you know, I still got two kids. It's good. <laughs> That'd be foolish. I absolutely 
I'm not going to say I got two kids, I'm okay. That, guess what? That one lost child becomes priority because I know that the other two children are safe and secure at home. That one becomes priority because I don't know where they are. I don't know who could be harming them. I don't know what they could be into. So that one becomes priority. You see what I'm talking about? This is why Jesus makes the one lost sheep a priority because he doesn't know the status of that one. And listen, I've got one child that's lost. I'm going to absolutely, desperately search for that one. That one lost child becomes priority. And I tell you another thing. I'm not going to be nonchalant about finding my baby. I'm going to exhaust my resources. I'm going to call everybody I know. I'm going to, I'm going to call the news. I'm going to uh, do a social media buzz. I'm going to be in the head, highways and the hedges. and the, I'm going to be doing whatever I can to find my baby. Friends, I believe that Jesus feels the same way about each and every one of us. And he's willing to do whatever it takes to find his lost child. And I believe that he's recruiting our help to find his lost children. Now listen, you're a wonderful group of people. And I believe that if I called, if I called you, say Julia got lost and wandered off. I believe that if I called you and I said, can you come help me find my baby? There's not a one of you in this room. That would say, no, I can't help you. you. You drop whatever you were doing to come help me find my baby. But here's the deal today. Jesus is calling us saying, come help me find my lost children. There's lost people in our community. There's lost people all around the world. And Jesus is calling, come help me find my children. Come help me find my lost baby. There's not a one of you that would turn me down. Don't turn Jesus down. There's lost. He cares about the one. And the problem is it's not just one. There's millions upon millions of lost that are out there. But we got to prioritize them one by one. That's the whole premise of this message, of this series, is that each one is important. And all of us know somebody. All of us know multiple somebodies that is lost and far from God. Jesus is calling us to come help him find his lost children. That is the reality of this parable. Jesus prioritized First and foremost, he prioritized the one. Secondly, Jesus left the comfortable. The good shepherd left the comfort of the flock to go into difficult places to find the lost sheep. David, in Psalms 23, he paints this picture. He says, he maketh me to lie down in green pastures. So when I think about sheep and I see a nice green pasture, maybe there's a stream and it's very comforting and comfortable and just a, a surreal kind of serene kind of place of comfort. Jesus leaves that place to go into the difficult places to find the one lost. He leaves the 99 in the place of comfort to go into the difficult places to find the one lost. Friends, Jesus has gone to great lengths to find some of us. Some of us got hemmed up in some really bad places. And Jesus came and found us. He stepped down into our drug addiction. He stepped down into our alcoholism. He stepped down into our our sinful, uh, whatever it may be. He stepped down into those dark places and found us and pulled us out. I'm thankful for that. I'm glad that Jesus left the comfort. Come find us in our difficult places. 
Friends, Jesus has gone to those great lengths and he's sent his missionaries into difficult and challenging places because it's not his will that any would perish, but that all would repent. Friends, if we're going to go, if we're going to find the lost, it might require us to get out of our comfort zones. It might cause us to go to some difficult places. It might cause us to have some some challenging and difficult conversations. But I believe that's what God is calling us to do is get out of our comfort zones. Because this is a heavy task. This is an important task. But again, if it was your child who was lost, there's not a mountain you wouldn't climb or a demon you wouldn't fight to get them back. Jesus left the comfortable Philippians 2, 6-8 says this, Jesus, though he was God, did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, listen to this, instead he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and he was born a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. He traded the comfort, the perks of heaven. He traded his divine privileges to become a baby, to become a man, to live a sinless life, and to be crucified on our behalf. He he left the comfort of heaven to come and save you and I. To go to the dark places and find his lost children. Jesus Never gives up. That's our third point today is he never gives up. He was willing to do whatever, go wherever, but he never gives up. Luke 15, 4 and 5 says this. Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go to search for the one that is lost until he finds it? That's key. Until he finds it. And when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it on his shoulder. Jesus never stops searching. He never stops searching. He never gives up. God has given us free will. And you have the choice to run as far and as long as you'd like. But as long as you run, he'll be chasing after you. Every step of the way. David wrote in Psalms 139, he says, Where can I go from your presence? Where can I go to escape your spirit? He said, If I make my bed in hell, you're there. If I go to the highest mountain, you're there. If I rise on the wings of the morning and fly to the far side of the world, there your presence will still be with me. Friends, you can't outrun God. He is chasing after you. And when you when, if and when you turn around, he will be right there. I love the story of the prodigal son. My favorite part is when he finally decides to come home and he's making his way back to the house. Said the father, he's standing on the porch and he's looking. Every day he'd been standing on that porch looking, waiting for his son to return. And I love this text. It says, when he was still a long way off, when he was still a long way off, The father ran to him. See, here's the thing. Sometimes we view God as this vengeful, spiteful, I told you so, ready to strike us down, zap us with lightning kind of God. He's not that way. 
He, the father in the story is not represented sitting on the porch going, here he comes. Look at him. I told him I knew he'd be back. I knew, I knew he'd come back. I knew with his tail between his legs. I told him he'd be I told him he was wrong for leaving. I told him he was wrong for stealing his inheritance. I told him he was wrong. And look at him. Here he comes. Here he comes. That's not the picture that is painted in the scriptures. That's not at all the picture that's painted. It said while he was still a long way off, the father ran to him. And he fell and he kissed his feet and says, my son has returned. That's the kind of God that we serve. He is searching for us. He's looking for us. And when we're still a long way off, he runs to us with grace and love and welcomes us back in. Puts a ring on our finger, puts a robe on our back and kisses our feet to welcome us home. That's the kind of God that we serve because he cares about the one. He cares about his lost children and he'll do anything and everything he can to be, bring us back into right relationship. No matter how many times you quit on him, he will never quit on you because Jesus never gives up. His love never fails. Just like I would never give up looking for one of my children if they got lost, or you would never give up looking for one of your children, Jesus never gives up looking for us. Our fourth principle today is that he celebrated the return. Just like the father and the prodigal son, he celebrated the return of his son. Luke 15, 5 and 7 says this, And when he found it, he, was, he would joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. And when he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors saying, Rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep. In the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. He rejoices. He celebrates those who return. Heaven throws a party when even one lost sinner repents and returns to God. I love that image. Imagine with me. If you've ever been to a ball game or a race where there's a huge crowd... I mean, imagine you know, just not just 70 or 80,000 people or 100,000 people, but imagine the hundreds of millions of saints of God who have gone on to be with the Lord over, over the centuries. Imagine that grandiose crowd of people. Hebrews 12 says that we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses to this life of faith. So imagine all of these people, just millions and millions of people looking through the portals of heaven and when one person returns, one lost soul returns, it says heaven erupts with praise. Imagine those applause. Imagine the excitement. Man, I can't, I, I just picture in my mind those millions of people celebrating victoriously when one sinner comes home. Last Sunday when seven People raised their hand to say yes to Jesus. I believe that heaven erupted in celebration. Several weeks back when, when, when Ivan and Eli uh, got baptized up here and, 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 and Eli came spontaneously to get baptized, I believe that heaven erupted with praise because one or two came back and said, I'm coming home. That's what the scripture says. He celebrates. Just like if you're if you finally if you lost that child and you finally found them, you would be celebrating. You'd be like, oh, well, you're home. Go get in the bed. 
No, you'd wrap that baby in your arms and you'd hold him and you'd kiss him and you'd love him and you'd celebrate. That's what God does for us. He wants every single one of his children to be in right relationship. He wants everyone to be found and safe in the fold. He celebrates because hell lost another one. New life has been found. The dead now live. The lost are now found. And that's reason to celebrate. Jesus cares about the ones. It's not just about the crowds. It's not about the huge numbers. And I believe that it's time that we care about the one as well. See, there's something powerful and significant to individually inviting somebody to church and personally pouring into people. Andy Stanley said in their research that they have discovered that 80% of people would come to church, would go to church if someone personally invited them. If just somebody would say, hey, would you come to church with me? Last week, there was two young ladies that were here for the very first time because I invited them to church and they came. There's power in the personal invitation. There's power in the personal invitation, especially with people that you have relationship with. You never know who you might reach or who they might become. I found this story several years ago. It's called the ripple effect. It said in 1855, there was a Sunday school teacher by the name of Mr. Kimball. He led a, led a Boston shoe clerk to give his life to Christ. And that clerk was named Dwight L. Moody. He became an evangelist. In England in 1879, Dwight L. Moody awakened evangelistic zeal in the heart of a man named Frederick B. Meyer and became a pastor of a small church. F.B. Meyer, preaching to an American college campus, brought to Christ a student named Wilbur, J. Wilbur Chapman. J. Wilbur Chapman engaged in YMCA work, employed a former baseball player by the name of Billy Sunday to do evangelistic work. Billy Sunday held a revival in Charlotte, North Carolina, and a group of local men were so enthusiastic afterward that they planned another evangelistic campaign, bringing Mordecai Ham to town to preach. During Mordecai Ham's revival, a young man named Billy Graham heard the gospel and yielded his life to Christ. Only eternity will reveal the tremendous impact of one Sunday school teacher by the name of Mr. Kimball who invested his life into the lives of others. Listen, you may not be called to be Billy Graham or Dwight L. Moody, but God might call you to be a Mr. Kimball to pour your life into a young shoe clerk in Boston, Massachusetts, or Locust, North Carolina. God might send you somebody to invest in, and they might turn into the next Billy Graham. It's the ripple effect. God can use your one to reach the millions. What I want you to capture this morning is that your one is important. On the, on the seats around you, you... There's a one, what we call a one-by-one card or an each-one card. And I want you to start thinking about who that one person is that God's, God's burdening your heart for. That, that, you want, that you want to reach for the gospel. That's not in right relationship. That's not plugged in. That's, that's wandered away from the fold. Because one person is important. God might not call you to be Dwight L. Moody or Billy Graham. But he might call you to share the love of Christ and invite your unsaved neighbor to church. He might call you to take some soup to a homeless man sitting alone on the park bench and offer him the bread of life and of water he may never thirst again. 
He might just call you to pick up the phone and reach out to a friend that's been on your heart and desperately needs Jesus because he cares about the one. He cared about you and he cares about me and he cares about everyone. And sometimes the only way to reach them is one by one. One person at a time, one life at a time. It doesn't sound like a lot, but if everyone will catch the vision, it becomes a lot. It's the power of multiplication. If every single person in the room this morning got passionate about winning the lost, about winning just one person to Jesus, guess what? We'd double in size next Sunday. We'd have to buy more chairs. We'd have to go to more services. We'd have to build a new building. And I'm okay with all of that. What matters is the one. The one that's lost. Chew on that for a moment. Think about the impact that if every single person said, I'm, I'm bringing somebody to church with me next Sunday. Or I'm, I'm inviting somebody on Easter. I'm, I'm bringing somebody. I'm going to make it my job to make sure that person hears about the gospel of Jesus Christ telling you this morning that Jesus cares about the one. He cares about your lost child. Some of you parents in the room today have, have children who are far from God. He cares about your child just like He knows your heart. He knows that you're praying for them. He cares about them. He cares about the homeless man holding a sign on the corner. He cares about the drug dealers. He cares about the prostitutes. He cares about the mother who's being abused. He, and it's time that we start caring about them as well. Each and every single one of them, because every single person is important. Red or yellow, black or white, they're all precious in God's sight. It's not just a children's song. It's the truth, because God loves everyone and wants to be in right relationship with all of us. Angel, you can come. It doesn't matter if you're a Muslim, a Buddhist, a Sikh, or an atheist. God loves him and wants to have a relationship with him. He loves them all and wants them to be saved. So he's calling us to reach out to them with the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's calling us to reach this community with the good news about Jesus. Listen, that's the thing that we got to understand. This is good news. This is the gospel. He's not asking us to sign them up for Amway. He's asking us to tell them about the good news about Jesus. Sometimes we act like it's like, the, oh, I don't know if I could do that. Like, you're not having to sign up people in your downline. Come on, people. You're not selling them something. You're giving them the good news about Jesus. You're, you're giving them eternal life. You're offering people hope and salvation. It's not a scam. This is life change. Has your life been changed? I know mine has. Shouldn't you want everybody to feel what you feel and I feel? Because there's only, there's only joy that comes from Jesus. There's nothing that can replace that. That's what we need to give to people. One by one. I believe that God's calling us to reach this community with Jesus. He's calling us to reach them one by one. One of the goals and dreams that we set for in 2022 for Greater Life Church was to, to work with every home for Christ, to make sure that every home in Locust has had, an, had a gospel presentation. We've got some resources and things that if you're interested in helping with personal evangelism, we can resource you and help you 
And that's one of the things that we're going to be doing. But more importantly, I want you to focus on one person around you. Maybe they're a brother. Maybe it's a cousin. Maybe it's a neighbor. Maybe it's a co-worker. But there's somebody that God's laying on your heart. That you want to share the gospel with. That you want to invite to church. That you want to, however you do it. But go after that one. How are we going to accomplish reaching the world for Jesus? Filling our community with Jesus is simply one person at a time. One life at a time. So I've encouraged you today. I, I'm going to pray here in just a moment. I'm going to give a challenge here in a moment. But if you've got that card, it should detach at the bottom. Some of them have already detached. Some of them you might have to tear um, because the perforated age isn't there. But you're going to keep that top section and you're going to put it in a place that you're going to remember that person's name, that you're going to remember to pray for them, that you're going to remember to, to talk to them or text them or call them or encourage them, whatever you need to do. But the bottom section, I just ask that you would put it in one of the baskets there at the back table there as you, on, at the doors between you go out. That bottom section belongs... It will, I, I want us to hold on to it at the church because I want to pray for those folks. The, people, the names that you've written down, we're going to make it a priority to, to pray and believe on your behalf as you go out and reach that person. So tomorrow night when we come in here for prayer on Monday night, I'm going to put those cards out on this altar and we're going to pray over those names and we're going to believe that God's going to save your, the one that He's put on your heart. So I encourage you, just fill that out over the next few moments as we're praying or as we're getting ready to do transition. Tear it apart. Keep that top section for yourself, the, the small bottom section, throw in one of the baskets so we can pray and believe with you for that one. Let's pray. Father, I, right now, you're putting a name in somebody's heart. And I believe that that, that person is... is a, the reason you're putting that name on their heart is one, first and foremost, you, you care about that person. You love them with an everlasting love. And you desperately want them to have right relationship with you. But secondly, God, I believe that the reason that that particular person is being placed on, on our hearts today is because they're ripe for the picking right now. The scripture says that the harvest is plenty, but the workers are few. So God, I pray that you, would, you begin to put people's names in our hearts that are ripe for harvest, that are ready to be picked, to ready to come to church, ready to commit their life to Christ, that you're putting that name. God, I'm, I'm believing for, for, for great testimonies and, and for people to come and, and to experience life change. I'm believing for that. But God, in this moment, I would be remiss if I didn't give an invitation for any lost that are here in the house today. Perhaps you're here today and you say, Pastor Daniel, I, I'm that lost sheep. I've, been, I've strayed away. I've wandered away. I've separated myself. And, and, and you know what? I, I desperately need to be found today. I desperately need a relationship with Jesus Christ. I need to be found. Well, today I've got good news. Jesus has been waiting for you to get here. He's been waiting for you. He's been looking for you. And he's thankful that you're here. I'm thankful that you're here today. 
So if that's you today and you say, I've been away from God, I've never had a relationship with Him, or maybe I've wandered away, but I'm coming back today. If that's you today, just lift your hand. I want to pray with you today before we, we close this service. Just slip your hand up. I'm not going to embarrass anybody. Just slip it up real quick so I can see you, and then we can. Then I'll know to pray for you today. If, you, if that's you today, if you've been lost and away from God, just lift up your hand in this moment. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. You can put your hands down at this point. God, I, God, you see the hearts of these that are here today. God, I believe there was a few that, that lifted their hands in this moment and just said, Hey, I, God, I want to come back today. You're here today. You're here today to meet with that individual. For before the foundations of the world, God, you, you had a plan for their life. And you knew in this moment that they'd come and encounter you with the, with the good news about Jesus. So God, for those that lifted their hands, or maybe there's some that here today that, that didn't lift their hands, but, but they're saying, you know what? Pastor Daniel, I, I, I still need to pray that prayer. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lead us in a prayer. And if you want to pray it with me as we pray, I'm going to lead in a simple prayer. It's like I talked about last week. Romans 10 says, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and, was, and rose from the, the grave, then you'll be saved. It's just an acknowledgement that Jesus did what we couldn't do. It's just an acknowledgement that, that we're sinners and that he died to give us, to pay our price. 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So right now, just if you would, just right where you're sitting, if you want to pray this simple prayer. Dear Jesus, I confess that I'm a sinner. I acknowledge that you are Lord of my life. That you died to save me and you rose again to redeem me. I believe it. Thank you, Jesus. I, I declare you Lord of my life. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, it's as simple as that. I just want to invite you to next steps. If there's anything that we can do for you as a church, as a pastor, come talk to me. If you prayed that prayer today for the first time, or maybe you prayed it after a long time of being away from him, let me know today. That way I can just continue to pray for you and want to be able to resource you with anything that we can to help you on your journey with Jesus encourage you today as you're leaving today make sure you fill out that card throw the bottom section in the basket in the back Mike will be standing back there uh, uh, with, with one of the baskets just throw that in there because we want to be able to as a church begin to pray for those names and help you believe for you as you're winning people for Jesus because Jesus cares about the one each one is important to him so let me pray for you. Father, I thank you today for the work that's been done in the house. God, I thank you for those who acknowledge their need for salvation today. And God, I thank you today, God, for the, for the names that were written down on these cards. God, I'm believing in the coming days and weeks, God, that, that there's going to be a, a harvest of souls that comes as each one sees the need to reach each one with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We thank you for it today in the strong and the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you. Have a great Sunday.